friends, welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my stoic, bloodthirsty, mafia guy, co Alex Dandino. Wow, that was a very dramatic pause. See, I thought I had lost you, but no. no, you were busy contemplating the the nature of I was contemplating the nature of of honor. That's what I was doing. Wow, that's deep. All right, before we get into that deep dive of philosophy, a little business, guys. It's official. We're on Patreon, uh, yeah. patreon.com slash Film Alchemist Pod. The very episode you'll be hearing tonight, brother selected by one of our highlanders on our patreon uh dyson anthony thank you uh for the early the pod visits early 2000 japan's curation so guys the deal at patreon for as little as a dollar a month you can join the show you can join us and support the show uh you'll get access to zoom discord some of the social stuff we do for a little bit more per tier you begin to start curating the show that you want episodes you get to pick the movie specifically you want us to cover uh and we will do that for you guys so again that's patreon.com slash film alchemist pod for as little as a dollar a month you can help us guys we appreciate it so much we've already had a great response uh to our first run here we're hoping that more of you will join the people we already have who are lovely so thank you to those of you who are helping us already Thank you to those who will soon. All right, guys, something you can do for free to help the show. Leave us a rating and review wherever you find the show, especially if that be Apple Podcast app. That's a great way to fight back against ye old algorithmic overlords. What is this accent you're doing? Why are we doing pirates? Well, I don't know. Maybe pirates will be in. Who knows? Maybe a patron will want to do a pirate month, and I'll already have practice, and you'll be a lazy fuck. Any <laughs> just coming in hot right out the back. Wow. All right. So, you know, five star rating review, uh, five star best pirate voice I've heard. I would be sepakuing myself. Caribbean. Right now. <laughs> All right. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, Film Alchemist. You can find video versions of these pods along with some other stuff we're working on over there. You can email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Or find us on all the socials you're on. We love hearing from you guys. We're very easy to get a hold of. Uh, we read everything, even if it takes us a while to get back to you. We do read it. Thank you guys very much. All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Bill's rats. All right. That's it. <laughs> I don't know what. That was almost like Fire Marshal Bill. All right. Enough of ye old pirate voice and business. It's time to uh, join and then get kicked out of the Yakuza with brother uh so this again is from a uh, patron anthony dyson for those of you in the know the pod visits early 2000 japan so brother is actually an interesting movie to add in this curation because i believe this was a a hollywood japan co-production yes uh there's a lot of american actors a lot of the movie is in english um it's a really strange film because the other films that are selected this month are much more of what was happening in the early 2000 Japan movies that I was finding, right? Very bombastic, very bloody, very gory, high action, strange, almost sacrilegious imagery, right? Um, it felt deviant. It felt wrong. It felt brutal. 
And then comes along Brother. And Brother is this, it felt to me almost like a Humphrey Bogart movie out of time, right? It's a it's a stoic. It's the strong, silent type, as Tony Soprano would say, right? This man who, while in a world of brutally high stakes, it's a very contemplative movie, right? It, it really takes its time and settles into the the emotional world of this Yakuza gangster culture in a way that a lot of these movies just don't ever get to, right? They'll give you the guts. They'll give you the schemes, the plans, the betrayals. This one has long sections that just feel like home movies. Alex, <laughs> what do you make of <laughs> Brother? I mean, I don't know if I'd equate it necessarily to home movies. Um, you know what I mean? It's like an intimate hangout vibe. I'll tell you, you see this these is guys like, forming bonds across culture. Watching this movie, this is this is how I describe it. Like, this feels a lot like the way... If you hired Gus Van Sant to make a movie like this, this is the kind of movie. Like, if you said, can you make <laughs> make your best, like, if you made a bet with Gus Van Sant, like, I bet you can't make a movie about Yakuza's. This yeah. is the movie he'd make. Like, to me, that's, like, the vibe I got is, like, this, yeah, it's, like, this contemplative deep dive into yeah. honor versus lawlessness and like not only that like there is this like fish out of water context that i think is really fascinating about american versus japanese culture in general but even more so like american versus japanese gang culture very specifically yeah. it's um well you you find a lot of this too because something like this reminded me of hair something like eastern promises right yes where eastern promises example. is kind of a well, it promises it's going to be a more thoughtful version of that, right? And we're right. going to really kind of grapple with the concept. It's a really which, Eastern promise, like super Eastern. Right, which they do, but not in the way of this. Again, <laughs> like the scene when they just stop and play basketball, and it feels like they're playing basketball for five minutes. You feel like you're at LA Fitness waiting to get next game, mm -hmm. right? You're like, I got five, oh, I no, I got four, like, I need one. I, thought, I think I <laughs> clocked the scene. I think it was like a full three minutes. It's long, and it, it always feels longer, right? But they do this a lot where there's, you know, hey, let's go to the beach and throw a football. We'll put the camera 300 yards away. And I'm like, this is a family movie shot, yeah, right? Like, this is something you see, like, people watching in the Wonder Years, like, in their, their little family projectors. And I think this gets to your point, though, is what, what this movie is, is it's a clash of culture movies, right? So Yamamoto shows up in America, and I love the film starts on a kiltered shot, right? Almost a Dutch angle. Mm -hmm. And then as it gets closer, it, poof, it writes itself, right? So we can already tell there's something askew and off with this guy. He can't communicate. He's over tipping. And then we go back and find out what has happened, right? But essentially, yeah, this is a man who has lost everything. And he comes to the new world with just this dirty duffel bag full of money. And he has to forge ahead. And, and as he's you know, waging his war on the world and to get back whatever he wants or thinks he's lost. The movie starts to pull away from Yamamoto, which is a really strange thing because it's billed as this pairing between him and Omar Epps, right? Mm -hmm. That they will overcome their, the, the, the valley right betwixt them right, and find kindred spirits, which they do. But honestly, they spend a lot of time with the other gang members and just watching them hang. And you start to see these differences, these very stark differences between 
the old school Japanese Yakuza guys and the American gangsters start to disappear and you start to see how bonded they become. And so it gives you a, cause they, you know, the mafia that we talk about, it's a family thing. This one gets added is that the it's the family you choose thing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the family you choose, but also the family that it's weird you put it that way. It's like the family you choose and then like the family you force to choose or you have to like ritualistically kill yourself. Um, <laughs> it's this really, it, I don't know. The movie is just like, there's such stoicness throughout the movie. And I think that's like every shot is also composed that way too, which is something yeah. that, the way this movie is shot is the thing I found most interesting, honestly. Um, really? Okay, walk me through that, because I have to say, of the movies we've covered, it's pretty flat. That's exactly why I think it's interesting. It, it literally yeah. runs in diametric opposition of all the other movies we've watched. Like, not only that, like, there's really specific camera angles. Like, spe- like towards the beginning, Yama, like y- the first confrontation we ever see between Yamamoto and Omar Epps' character, Denny. Mm-hmm. They're both shot straight on, talking directly to the camera. Yeah. I can tell you right now, in the movies we've watched this month, I have not seen that shot. <laughs> or if someone's in the center of the camera, it's because absolute bedlam is happening right. in the background behind it's a, them. It's because like, that. Ignore or, the man drinking his sister's breast milk behind the curtain. Or they're about <laughs> to, you know, unsheath a sword and, like, cut the heads <laughs> off zombies. Like, that's in an age-old battle. Like, that's another thing that is. But this movie is very specific in the way. Yeah, like you were saying, like it just literally locks the camera off, and it's like the camera guy just walked away for twenty minutes. Yeah, it's like I don't Do know. We, we have a DP. No, but we've got this tripod. Yeah, we got this Good tripod. Enough. Perfect. <laughs> like it's a really specific. Like not a lot of camera movement. Like a lot of editing. That's like a really big thing in this movie. Like, um, probably towards like the hour mark. The thing there's a scene where um, they catch a they catch a drug pusher that's fucked up and they're like we're gonna cut his finger off yeah which by the way i like <laughs> i thought about it i'm like i guess that's a thing is they're like i'm gonna, we're gonna cut his finger off like why would you do that well then he can't swim straight like i didn't know that was is I didn't that true that. i don't know Does this guy recreationally swim a lot i was like is he a big like swimmer does he go to the y and do that a lot like i was if he was a real badminton player they're like we're gonna take your shuttlecock finger and he's like no i'll never badminton again but no this is because this is the thing, know. right? So Yamamoto himself yeah. is the director of the film. Yes. Right? So not only is he the writer, director, and editor on the film, but it becomes this American Hollywood production. So what I found fascinating is when you look at this movie as the main actor, right, who's playing Yamamoto, has all this other control, it, it clicks in a really fun way, right, where – I think you could argue, and I don't think this is trying to be rude. This is the most poorly directed film we've ever talked about on the show. <laughs> I mean, below Humanoids of the Deep or whatever. This, the directing of this film, is so bad. It's it's so bad, and it's so boring, and it's so childish. It's a very and it's it's shot horrendously. Yes, but what it is is it's directed by an actor, and what he does is he locks the camera off and lets the actors play. I think that that's like, that's actually something we talked about with, um, in one of our patron exclusive episodes about red belt, red belt. Yes. Yes. It had a lot of red belt vibes to me. Cause again, like 
when you let actors just do their thing, like that's what I think is interesting about actors directing other. Because sometimes you do have actors who are directing that they want to just show that they're great directors. So they do a lot of this work with the camera. Like they over commit. You know, it's like the bad actor is like, I'm acting a fuckload. Right. Right. It's the same thing. Like, I mean, you know, like I won't say that I haven't enjoyed his movies, but like Ben Affleck, I would say is one of those guys who's like, he is celebrating the fact that he's directing the movie. Not that he's acting. Yeah. It. I've seen a Fincher film guys, just yeah. in case you doubt my job. <laughs> right. Well, it's exactly what it is. Like I love the town. And I like, don't blame him. That's smart. I love the town. I think it's an impeccably made movie. Yeah. Uh, he's a good filmmaker. Yeah. He's a great filmmaker. But like that to me is a, a great example of someone who's just like he's directing a movie that he's actually acting in this is an actor directing a movie that he wants everyone to be in so everyone is getting their shot on camera without any kind of like editing like any no trickery nothing like to nothing to break the set up like it's literally just like all right we're gonna have a conversation between four different people there's a camera here there's a camera here we just go back and forth nonstop. Yeah. There's, there's no there's nothing to watch and I think that's a really fascinating thing to do for this kind of movie, particularly because it is a joint uh, feature between Japan and the U.S. For and like a majority of the cast speaks English, which is really, again, very fascinating stuff to me. I think that it takes a lot of it takes a lot of energy to direct the movie that I think this probably would have been if it had been like an action director, so to speak. But instead, well, you can feel like the Robert Rodriguez movie. This could have been. Yes, absolutely. Right? <laughs> like, there's a lot of like, there's, there's a lot of moments in this movie that feel like they should be like kinetic filmmaking, so to speak. Yes. And instead, it's like really. I mean, literally every time they play basketball. Yeah. There's a great example. Every time they play basketball, this is the kind of like busy work people do during movies, like in movies that is supposed to rise tension like dramatic tension that kind of thing like you make a oh yeah you make a basket and like more of the conversation gets ramped up it's literally just a thing actors should be doing it's like smoking in the 20s and 30s like people actors just had to have something to do with their hands because they could talk now like it's the exact same bit just it's the celebration of all these people being on camera it's not a celebration of the movie itself well no it's they're capturing life because right. imagine that scene, right? Because it's the the guy is from the Yakuza. He takes his shirt off. He's got the tat, which is a, oh, fuck. This guy's serious. Mm-hmm. He switches the one guy out because they won't pass it to him. He calls in Moose and starts kicking him, and Moose isn't passing to him. And I swear to God, I sat there and watched that, and I was like, oh, fuck. I was like, right. Moose is getting his brain, brains blown out. Like, Moose is going to get got. And it doesn't. He He has an aggression towards him. Right. But it's in this kind of family fighting kind of way. And I would imagine that any other editor or director, whatever, script doctor, that'd be the yeah, that seems out. Right? <laughs> this is long enough. That's out. I'm not sure any of like these I'm not sure any of these scenes of make scenes. the cut. Like But this is what I mean, right? So the the movies in it I feel bad that I said it's the worst directing job. I stand by it, but I don't mean it's it to a particular sound as directing as it job. We have talked about almost three hundred amazing movies. So that's not like to say this is not a bad film. I I really actually enjoy this film. But what I take there there is something to be said for cuz if you look at the performance of Yamamoto it's the same thing. He gets out of the way. He becomes this blank slate. Yes. For us, right? He's playing a 1940s cool noir guy. Yeah. Right? Where he's just sitting there taking it in, he's above it. 
but you see it in like the scene when they met the the mexican drug cartel right and they're they're having their meeting at the world's shittiest conference room <laughs> I was like, you guys put on your nice suits to go to the fucking Holiday Inn off of 69. Yeah, like, no, it's what? definitely like a, it's definitely like they called a Motel 6 and like, do you have a conference room? Yeah. Oh, we got some random room in the back. Cool. Perfect. But just if you look at the way that scene is composed and shot, it, it makes you want to rip your hair out at that point in the movie. So right. you're like, this is well, a huge moment where this gang is decided. The next time we see it, right, they defeat this Mexican cartel. The next thing we see is them in limos and him picking out his lady friend. Like, <laughs> they made it. Now you stepped up, right? There are levels in this game, and now started at the bottom. Now we here. Right. So that seems like an important moment, right? They, they're they going to do the Godfather trick. There's guns under the table. And it's shot so matter-of-factly. Oh, yeah. And, and again, I think it does take balls I'll give to you, just say, I'm not going to over-direct and ruin this. I'm just going to let it stand. Yeah. I mean, I'll give you another example of, like, I, I this is, like, this is a bad editing trick to me. Like, this is, and I was trying, like, there's um about, I'm trying to think. It was, I actually wrote it down. It was, yeah. So it's somewhere around, like, the minute eight, minute nine mark when they go into, um, it's right after my favorite shot in the movie, which is in the car when that guy shoots those two. Uh, it's actually like the only like moving shot I remember from the movie itself, which is like the guy he um, gets out of the car, shoots the other two yakuzas, but like the camera stays in the car the entire time and follows through the window. It's really cool. And I was like, yeah. wow, that's a really interesting thing. Followed by the ambush at this again, like airbnb office like a we work <laughs> they walk in and um they do not glamorize per se the game no, <laughs> super boring like it's literally like the game yeah. is the game it is what it is yeah. um you can get a gorilla that's the best thing about but it's game. like they stand in front of them and then they all shoot their guns and again this is like they're firing weapons at the camera this is like a thing like any other director Think about it. like this is a Robert Rodriguez like gold mine oh, of a moment. God. Yeah. Like you follow the bullet trajectories everywhere, all kinds of shit. No. It's literally they just fire into the camera and then cut to the people getting shot. Not like in yeah. process either. Like you're like, I feel like I'm behind. Like this shot feels like it was like five seconds behind the guys who are actually shooting. Like the oh, bullets yeah. are just traveling slowly. And then it cuts to Yamamoto on the Yeah, how they shoot action in this film. Absolutely. Right? So, again, the drug cartel thing, if this was like a Robert Rodriguez movie, first we do, boom, push it on the gun. Oh, fuck. Right. Right? And then, boom, we'd see the bullet hole. We'd shoot through the bullet hole with brain matter dripping. Oh, fuck. Boom, boom, totally. boom. People would be rolling around. There'd be fucking splatter everywhere. Yeah. We'd cut to the hallway where they're doing, like, Matrix Kung Fu on each other. Absolutely. But the other thing, I don't know if this hits you, but when they do the violence in this, Almost as soon as the guy gets shot, they just cut to the next moment. Yeah, there's no glorification. It's just we're out of there. We're fucking out of there so fast. We don't linger on the dead. Just gone. It's really interesting to me how little brother glorifies the actual violence of the situation. Yeah, and this is it's like not gratuitous. It's not extreme. Even though a lot of people get fucking got in this movie. Well, this goes back to like what we were talking about. Actually, it's funny. We were talking about like day in the life movies like you and i have 
very opposing opinions about those kinds of movies and some that I love them. (laughs) You're a pleb. No, (laughs) but like there's some that do not work for you that work really well for me. But like to me, this is like a great example. Like there's no glorification of violence in brother. Brother is literally about the very transactional nature of the game of not just the game either, but like bringing your game to another game. And I think that's a really fascinating aspect of this movie itself is that there's nothing glamour. There's no fun, like, oh, you know what's great? My gold gun and my really cool, like, that tattoo scene is a great example. In every other movie, that is like a slow-mo, the shirt drops off, the tattoo is just like almost like popping off this guy's body. And in this one, it is just like it's a it's a transaction. And I think the transactional nature of this movie demystifies a lot of what it is. And I almost feel like that's intentional. Like we've spent. Oh, for sure. And I mean, you and I, think I have, it's meant to bring you all the way down. Right. You and I have spent how many years watching movies? Not necessarily this, but like watching movies that are glorifying all kinds of gangs like i've watched movies obviously italian gangs well obviously we're supreme sopranos fans and that is i think that's a glorification of the life absolutely because there's (laughs) you're not wrong this is literally the it's not just there's the glorification is that it exists in this movie like past that there is no like how cool is it that we just like walk around like that is the coolest thing and i think that's the really fascinating aspect of the cultural divide almost is that in America, we spend so much time glorifying people who feel them, not necessarily feel themselves above the law, but around the law. This movie is about the honor that you bring to the lifestyle. So what they're not going to do is have a bunch of fucking guys walking around with gold plated pistols doing weird shit. Like that's just not this kind of movie, but more importantly, that's not what, yeah. The story itself is meant to convey about the cultural clash of American versus Japanese gang culture. Well, you win the cult, you win the gang war, and you essentially get a sit in the shitty prom fucking limo. <laughs> That's what happens in this movie, and you're like, "This sucks." Yeah, and there's there's the scene when he gets the nice gifts for Omar Epps's family. Yep, but it's not even like this. Look at me, look who I am, right? It's just this kind of yeah. He sends it in because he's got this kind of old school thing. Um, I guess yeah. The little glorification, the one scene of glorification, and this is they do set Yamamoto up to be this really cool guy, right? Oh yeah, who's got and the glasses the on the whole time? When, yeah, when the gangsters are getting shaken down at the start, it's like we're not gonna make any profit if you take that percent. The guy's like, I don't give a fuck. And he smacks Yamamoto's half-brother, right? Mm-hmm. Or his orphanage brother, whatever the actual relationship is. And Yamamoto just walks up and just fucking beats the shit out of the guy. Yeah, And he's just like, yeah, don't do that. Like, stand up for yourself. Take charge. And I think there's something in that scene where we're all like, fuck, we want to be that Yamamoto guy. I think as the movie plays, you're like, you boy. Right? Like, that's not the best <laughs> life. There's a weird thing I wanted to ask you about in the film. So we see this. He wins the drug war. He's got the limo. He picks out a bride from somewhere, or a girl at least. He's got everyone in matching suits and this and that. The movie does this really strange move to me, which is as he begins to consolidate power and grow, 
Yamamoto just pulls back to that table in the corner of the hangout mm-hmm. and just stares and does nothing. Right. What is happening with Yamamoto at this phase of the film? All right. I, I've thought about this. And I mean, like, to me, that is the... Because later in the movie, like, so he's Yamamoto, but later in the movie, after he starts consolidating power, he gets the nickname uh, Aniki? Aniki, Aniki, yeah. yeah. Aniki. I kept thinking That's... of uh, Annie, Annie from Star Wars. I know. But uh, Aniki. <laughs> I was so, ready to be like, I hate sand. Translated means elder brother. So, like, the idea, uh... I think, is this, like, inherited, it's this inherited responsibility. And I think the important thing is, you think about any other, and again, I know we keep doing this, but it's like, this movie is just so stoic and so fascinating and that why it does what it does. You have to keep comparing it to what it should have, what it would have been in, in other director's hands. Well, and, yeah, you have to look at it but, as what is he trying to accomplish? Right. Why is he making these choices? Right, and what I'd say is like, it's not even that, like, it reminded me a lot of The Godfather, to be honest with you. Like there is a you think he's pulling a Michael. He's separating because this I mean, happens after he gets shot. Yeah. Right. He gets shot in the belly. Mm-hmm. There's this to me. That's what it is. Like it is a Corleone thing. Like what you want to do is you pull yourself away from the minutia of what's happening so that you can see the overall picture. Like that to me is what it is, is like he's slowly becoming the boss, the boss. He knows he should be the boss that he cares to be. Let me run this by you, right? Because there's a weird vibe in that decision for him. Because, so the movie starts chronologically is when him and his brother run a crime family, a Yakuza family, right? Right. And they lose a war. And essentially the dirty cops are like, it's over. You're done. Right. You kneel or you die. And he gets the option to flee, right? So there's this weird... It feels like in the movie, he's mad at his brother for being a traitor, as he calls him. Mm-hmm. His brother bends the knee. So he comes over to America, and he's on a mission, right? My brother was a failure. We lost. I'm never running again. The moment he wins, he somewhat starts running, right? And I don't know if there was a moment in him where he goes, is this it? Like, is this? did I die from that bullet wound, I mean, and now I'm in the prom limo? I mean, that that very well could be the case, though, like, what you're proposing makes sense to me. It's like the, it's like getting the thing you wish for and hating it. Like that to me is yeah. like, because well, especially not, something like this, when you're like, this is you sign an oath, right. right? Like I am in this for life and to see his family lose that it is cheapened. Right. So something that's broken, that ruins your honor in this lifestyle itself. Mm-hmm. To come well, let me over run here. this by you. Okay. Because they do this, too, where they do the, the mirroring of his older brother who stayed. Mm-hmm. Who they're always like, you're an outsider. You're this and that. He ends up just some guy's like, yeah, you're an outsider. And he's like, oh, yeah, well, see these guts. And it's like, what? And then he's like, hey, naughty for making that statement. The guy's like, all right, I'll chop my finger off. And I was like, wow, this oh, you're is talking way about that different. You're talking about Michael that scene Gordon way later in the movie, up. right? Yeah, but this is what I mean, right? Yeah. So they mirror the journey of his brother who stayed and tried to do everything right but is essentially living in shame and is probably dead after he cuts his own guts out. Definitely so he dead. stays and bends the knee and never gets anywhere, right? Just dies alone and useless or whatever. And they mirror it with this new rival, right? Shin- Shinarisi? 
character I have. Shirasi. Shirasi. That's what it is. So Shirasi's this young, up and coming guy. And he is the one who's always doing this, you know, this is the life. We go to we go to we go. If I die, I die. There's a really cool scene at the end when they're about to have war with the Italian mob, and he's like, This is how Yakuza go, right, bro? And uh, Yamamoto's like <laughs> just like has no interest, and he's like, Well, we're all dead now. Right. Why when he sees that guy, it feels like he would be inspired to fight. His brother dies a fucking shell of himself. The pulling away is very strange with these kind of multiple points that feel like they should have enough pull to get him out of that sitting and staring at the camera mode. I mean, I don't know. Like, that again, I, it's just I relate everything. In, I don't know if it's because I'm Italian. It just all feels very godfathery <laughs> to me. Like All of you are drawn to the life, this thing of ours. I... I mean, I wouldn't You're go like, that actually, far. I just like meatballs and <laughs> <laughs> or whatever Paul Sorico is making it in prison. Oh, Sorvino. Yeah. Well, yeah. Paul gotta... Sorvino. Oh, I, what did I say? I don't know. But yeah, Paul Sorvino, with, Paul Sorvino with the with the the garlic that emulsifies. <laughs> yeah. That's a real thing. It's really good, actually. Um, you saw that and you're like, this is a glamorous life. OK, it's interesting you bring that up. <laughs> that's exactly where I was. What I was going to say is like. This is the very, this is like the critical difference between this kind of movie and like The Godfather. The Godfather is the same tenant, has the same tenets of story, which is about honor, doing your family duty, like that kind of thing. Brother takes it, Brother understands that. Like, I think that's what's interesting is like because Brother understands what American mafia movies do, what it does is it says, there is no honor in being the last one standing. I think that's a really fascinating thing. Like there's no honor in being the last one standing. There's honor in knowing your enemies stand beneath you. And that to me wow, is what okay. makes brother so much more fascinating than a lot of the other mafia movies that maybe have come out and definitely more interesting and more watchable in a lot of ways than a lot of like high octane, so to speak mafia movies might be because what it does is it takes this idea of honor you know, I've watched every single fucking mafia movie known to man because that's just what do you do when you're an Italian American kid? I don't know. I can't explain it. I don't know what to tell you. I really peeling the uh, the old Prego. Really, I'm really I'm really peeling the old Italian onion back. But like that's really kind of like that's the thing. Like my parents got an HBO subscription specifically to watch The Sopranos. Like that's what it was. Yeah. But. In every aspect of of Italian American culture, when it comes to the mafia, there is this odd code of loyalty. There's loyalty, and there's loyalty, but it's not necessarily honor. I wouldn't go that far, but loyalty is considered the same as honor in a lot of ways. But it's and always I, so weak, right? It's it not is. true loyalty. It, it, it's bullshit yeah. because they'll flip. Everyone flips on a dime, like. That is like the really important thing. And that's the thing I really appreciate about what brother is saying about this life. Mm -hmm. Because like he says, like I'm, this is who I am. They would like, it is, you would, you either serve at the feet of your serve at the feet of your new master or kill yourself. Those yeah. are the only two options. So when Yamamoto flees, this is like the thing that I was really fascinated by when Yamamoto flees, he sees a third option, but, in pulling back 
and starting to sort of just be distant from everyone. I got the sense that actually that was because, quite frankly, that's where the shame starts to creep in. There is shame in fleeing. Perhaps he does not feel he is worthy of that honor, so he pulls it all the way back. Or it's that a, these these gang wars are beneath him. That could be it too. Like yeah. what it is is he did he's not kind of becoming this legend that everyone right. deals with, but he doesn't do anything for that second half of the movie. It's like he did not die the honorable death, so to speak. Like it's he did not die a good death, or however you would put that. Like it's in that same vein of it's in that same vein. And I think that's what makes the concepts and brother so fascinating is that it's willing to broach that subject from a very specific point of view in America where that is not a, that is not a shared point of view at all. Well, they do a lot of like from violence or any moment like that. We cut to this really almost swelling romantic music cues. Oh, definitely. And so there, there's a, there's a romance to the way that this movie transitions. Cause a lot of times it's like no country for old brother. Right. <laughs> Where it's just very fucking quiet. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Like annoyingly quiet. Yeah. And then it'll be like, bang, bang, bang. We killed the cartel. Oh, like these big swelling old golden age Hollywood themes. Mm -hmm. And so to me, there's a, there's a romance about it. And so I wondered if this was a guy who he gave it all. And once you give it all to something, can you ever truly be all the way in again, right? And so maybe when he watched that desecration and watched his brother give up and he came over and now he's in this new gang war, it just never was the the thing. It was never the Yakuza. It was never the family. Whatever right. he's making now, it's a different version. And so did he just not care i think we see because he's not super honorable we see at the start he's doing the hole in the cup <laughs> trick which is a great bit yeah and omar epps they start by he's like hey man you owe me 500 dollars for wine he's like stabs him in the throat and yeah. punches his eye out or whatever scratches his eye out no yeah and he then just he gets him with the hole in the cup the trick yeah. right and he so he knows enough english that he can gamble and rip him off which i thought was funny because they toy with the idea that maybe he knows english much better than we think because people say shitty things about him and he's almost has like a, a wry like oh okay. i think that's i think that's intentional and i think that's a really like right. that also to me that that's a big part of like the cultural difference in the movie is like he knows when people are talking shitty about him because yeah. you know look every well, single one he's just like with the cartel he's like i know dirty jap bastard or whatever slur they used against him he right. heard that and he's like oh they're gonna betray us right. but what if he knew more but anyway this gets back to the whole if he knows the language and he's not presenting that that's not honorable he cheats at the dice game that's not honorable right so we know he's a cheat and a criminal and all of these things it's kind of the funny thing where everyone's like we're loyal to this but we're outsiders to society all we do is break the law and cheat but we won't do that to you well that's what but that's what i'm saying like seeing this is where the cultural aesthetics come from. Like, I don't know. I'm not claiming I know anything about Yakuza culture or Japanese gang culture, but I do know in America, there, the, like, there is no honor among thieves. Everybody cheats everybody. It is an unspoken rule. So what's fascinating is to bring the rules of another game over here, which is you don't, like, I will cheat because that's what I do. 
it doesn't dishonor me because that's who I am. Like I know for a fact, that's like, the core of his, that's being, the yes. core of my being. Like it honors me to take money out of your hand. Cause you are less than me. So yeah. of course I'm going to cheat you. I'm going to do whatever I want. Like right. there, there's honor and take, like there's a difference in culture. There is a difference in societal norms. So like for us to remand our very American co- concepts of honor, which is like, don't cheat. You don't steal. I'm like, Literally all these guys do it every day of the week just because they don't do it to each other. That's the difference. Or they do mm. like that's what it is. I guess I just kind of contradicted myself. But either way, like, I, I know what you're saying, though. Right. Yeah. And I think this is where I was getting to with the romantic swells. Is that felt like when they kept happening, I was like, that's so out of place for this movie. Right. Cause it's big, romantic and operatic. Mm-hmm. What it makes me think the movie's telling us is this is a guy who's watching the death of his dream. And oh, so yeah. Even as he's achieving thing, he just fucking checks out. And maybe it's not cool behind the shades. Maybe he's just, yeah, weekend at Brothers. He's just like, I'm out. I can I'm see a Bernie that. now. I mean, yeah. I mean, I could see absolutely it being a case where there is just like, you're checking out. You've You've done the job. You've brought the family somewhere. Yeah. So that they can flourish. Now you should have to sit like you shouldn't have to sit there in the muck and mire. You should be able to sit back and enjoy the fruits of your labor, so to speak. Well, at the end, he's literally just walking through roomfuls of dead bodies of his gang. Yeah. And he never really seems to engage until Omar Epps, uh, his family gets killed in one of the more brutal scenes of the film. Right. There's a dead doll on the door. Yep. And we go in and that's another one of those really interesting director moments like i'm not gonna put omar epps on screen and see if he can get there or try to get a cheap reaction out of the the mom's dead body right a son in a mom's dead body feels like the exact reason you make this movie is to show that on camera and again i think it's not glorifying it's not this this is because the guy's already checked out Mm -hmm. we're not showing you the mafia moments right But when he says, hey, you don't have to come with me. This is my business. And he's like, no, I'm coming with you, right? This is when they become brothers. If there's a huge critique I have of the film, it is that the movie spends so little time working on the relationship between these two guys. They go from wine stabber to dice game to, hey, we're BFFs. And by the end, right? So when he sends... Omar Epps out, right? He he pretends that he killed him in front of the mafia boss. He's like, you devil, you're the worst kind of man. So he takes that shame to save his friend. Right. And we find out at the end that it's the bag full of money and the cup with the hole in it, which is a great throwback, right, to yeah. their bonding. And he says, you know, hey, start new. I don't believe for a second that we're to believe he means start a new crime family. No. I think he's saying, get the fuck out, man. This isn't worth it. This sucks. And you look up to me, mm-hmm. and I'm going to end up a fucking greasy spot on this wall. I mean, yes. I think that's the lesson that that's the lesson he's trying to impart on him to save him. Like, he's like, I love that, that scene where with the doll the on the door. The ending is so good. That scene with the doll on the door is like one of my, I honestly, like, I love that choice of like the still camera with like, like Denny's just like fucking booking it into the background. It's just, he's just staring at that thing. And again, the sunglasses draw me in, man. Like he literally keeps them on the entire fucking movie. And I'm just like, like slate. 
Is that just totally fucking rad? Yeah, we're all just That's projecting the ourselves. Tool. Yeah, they're we're just to projecting ourselves into this character. But yeah, I mean, it's well that one too because the glasses in that scene we don't see him cry. We also see his half brother, his orphan brother, whatever's like. I gotta get out of here and just runs away like yeah. the fucking yakety sacks. Oh yeah, and he stays. And that those are the moments they never miss with Yamamoto. He always is the coolest, most stoic character in every shot and scene yeah and i think that that's on purpose because it's not he has seen it all he's been to the i think this is like a really like that's a really important thing is yamamoto's been to the end he knows what it looks like he knows what it's like to get to the end of a war to get the end to the end of the consolidation of power and to lose and i think that's why he gives that that's why he hands that off and says like start new that's what it is, is he's like, yeah, I've seen the end. You don't need you shouldn't like go do a different end, please. And it's strange because he it feels like this movie from where the character starts would be a Scarface thing. Like, I want to be the king of the world. Right. I'm going to go out. take this family. I'm going to go to Milwaukee and start another family and just keep going. And I think, honestly, what the movie's saying at the end is that. What he lost in that first crime war was more than the Yakuza thing. It was his brother, Mm -hmm. his brother, who he thought they were in it together. And when they weren't and he saw him be a traitor and give up on him. Right. But his brother still saved him. Right. So I think he flashes back and I think it begins to settle in. Oh, my brother knew. It was over for him. He knew if in the seppuku might have been him, you know, finally. That might have been a delayed seppuku, right? Because, you know, he'd been on that path since the war was over. And I think Yamamoto is reflecting on, oh, my brother took that shame and let me say that mean shit about him and take the suffering so he could get me the fuck out of here. That in this Yakuza family, it was really just my brother that saved me. And I think in that moment with the doll on the door, he knows exactly what he needs to do, which is get denny out of there i think that is a i i can't say anything other than i agree with that because honestly like that is the observation that i had based on what i saw and then the title of the movie is just like we're both older brothers we both have siblings that we look out for and that's exactly what that is and that 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 to me is the honor of these characters yeah, and I mean, he just shows down. He knows he's going to get mowed down. I love the finale with Omar Epps just losing it in the car. Yeah. And when he sees the bag, and he's just like, yeah, you're my brother. Like, my real brother. And that it's it's that's what, and that's what kind of bothers me about this film, right? Is that ending, you're like, fuck, they put in like 20, 20 or 30 minutes at the end that's really fucking strong. Yeah. Really strong. And it starts pretty strong. There's this lull in the second act where we're doing home videos, right? The family gathering time. And we're doing this mafia journey with other gangsters that are never Yamamoto and Denny, who are the two we want to spend. They lose the focus of that. And again, it this that's not to say it's a failure, right? It plays to what you're saying. It's a little bit day in the life, right? Yeah. These are some of the Yakuza, gangster, mafia, whatever moments you just don't spend a lot of time on and they keep doing they keep killing people they keep chopping off fingers they keep seppuku and blowing shit up and a car blows up 
It has all those beats. But what I will take away from this movie is none of that violence because it's just kind of there. And it's not the feature, right? Yeah. I will take that man who is looking at the burning life he's left behind and trying to make one decent choice. The I swelling did. music, the, the yeah. basketball, right? That quiet scene where he's like, I'm Michael Jordan. No, you're Michael Gordon. It's really long and it's two characters that don't matter. Right. But let me right. let me ask you this, because this might be the pivotal moment in the movie that really hit me. So his friend goes and they're trying to get uh, Sarasi to join. Right. Mm-hmm. He's like, get the fuck out of here. I did this on my own. Whatever you want to fight, we'll fight. They all get in and Yamamoto's like, all right, we're going. We're going to fucking fight it out. And he's uh, the little guys. Right. Like, hey, stop. Ponytail guy. Stop. Let me out. I got this. I got this. And you're like, oh, he's going to go back and mad dog him, right? He's going to go in and blow the fucking building up, whatever. He goes back in and he just says, I believe in Yamamoto. I, tr- I trust him. I'll do anything for him if this is what it takes. Uh, let's make this deal. And he goes, all right, blow your brains out. And I believe he says thank you and fucking does it. He blows his brains out so Yamamoto and this guy cannot fight but come together. Michael Gordon, right? The guy that we, the the roughhousing fund, he's kind of the enforcer of, you guys, you're not about this life. You're not about, and he does the ultimate, I'm about this life. What did you make of that moment? I mean, it's just more of what I've been saying. Like, to me, it's the ultimate, like, it's like that scene in, um, it's not the deer hunter, but it's an, oh, it's uh, actually, it is, um, this is a weird reference. It was like that movie, uh, 187 with Samuel Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, the cat, the guy who they play, um, they play Russian roulette and Samuel Jackson blows his brains out and says like, yeah. it was, he took my turn. I got to take my turn now. Like to yeah. me, it's a matter of owning up to principle. And that I think is like another thing that is that Yamamoto unintentionally imparts to every character throughout the movie is owning up to the principle of the matter. And I mean, that's again, like yeah. it all goes I back. Think to- I actually have it. And I think his final words is I count on you. Uncle is if I have set the stage, you just carry the torch. Right. Right. And then we hard cut to, uh, Sarasi saying I'm yours. Anarchy. Right. It's this really weird. These new guys kind of making this legendary figure out of him. Right. And I think that's the scene, like you're saying, that shows the that all of these guys are just kind of playing this. I think all of mafia in general, it's a very childish thing, right? Yeah. We're going to take your lunch money kind of thing. But grown right. up, they don't want to be productive members of society. It's very childish. And it's and I think this scene kind of gets at the childish laughableness of this thing. Yeah. But also, if someone really buys in the enormous stakes of it, right? It, it's a weird thing, mafia and gang movies to me. It, they exist in both places at the same time. Yes. I mean, I think that that's probably the, that's the thing I take away the most from this movie in general is that this is about, this is about like you, like we were saying, this is about not just day in the life. This is about the real life. Like yeah. while all these guys over here are playing gangster. This is a guy who, the, the, like Yamamoto and the people he chooses to surround himself with, it becomes the real life. It's not just 
be a gangster when it's convenient. It's yeah. be this Lord of creation, so to speak. Lord over all that you see and be a master of your domain. And just know that within that, you have pride and honor. And that's all you have left at the end. It's a really, yeah. it's, it's a really interesting I don't right. know. It's such a it's such a stoic that image movie. It's funny because there's no pride or honor. There's no grandiose anything. It's just oh, now they got a guy who fucking kills. Because that thing that that's followed up immediately by him just blowing up factories and cars and drive-bys, and none of it met. Like the two deaths I'll remember from this movie that we see. Right, obviously, Denny's mom. Right. But that death is the one that will haunt me. This movie kills a lot of people and, you know, breaks an arm and all that shit. That one moment of that guy had become our lovable bulldog character, right? Mm-hmm. And him just giving it up to a man who we kind of by the end of the movie are like, oh, he's also mentally just fucking checked out. Yeah. And he wants Denny to not be in the life. And you think back and you're like, fuck, he, that guy gave himself to that. What would he think if he saw the rest of this play out? And it shows you the the kind of flaw at the at the core of this bargain. And I think that's the takeaway is that brother is just it's slower and more contemplative. It really lets you sit and bask in the concept of being in this scenario in a way that a lot of other movies eschew so they can do cooler gun camera moves. Right. That's it. That's it. For brother. Yeah, it was a it was a really Again, interesting it's, movie. It's a very interesting slow movie that works on a lot of levels. I still like I know we said it already. I still love that Omar Epps ending. It's just He's so good. He's so It's good. so good. Uh, it's It's yeah. a romantic farewell movie, which is not what I was expecting. Not me neither. It was yeah. very off the off the cuff what I thought yeah. it was going to be. So It's I usually feel like I got a movie from the trailer and this is I was expecting some kind of like Boondock Saints vibe. Yeah. This is like about Schmidt, man. It's like, no, I'm this out. was a, <laughs> about yes. brother about Yakuza. Yeah. And uh, that's it guys. All right. We have one more movie for our, uh, the pod visits early 2000 Japan. Our two patron exclusives are also there. Go to patreoncom slash film alchemist pod to support the show for as little as $1 a month. Guys get in, join the fun. We're going to make it worth your while. I promise you that. Go to, uh, leave us a rating and review wherever you find the show. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, Film Alchemist, uh, for video versions of these talks and some other stuff we're working on. You can email us, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. You can find us on all the socials you're on. Again, we got one more movie for this curation. Uh, it'll be a good one. I think it's called Survive plus five survive style plus five that's what it is. right i've never seen this one we're going in blind so we're hoping it's as good as the Hopefully rest it's another brother yeah thank you again to patron uh anthony dyson for those of you in the know until next time for the film alchemist pod i'm josh Griffey. i'm alex dandino